You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. All right, well, should we do this? Let's go. All right, well, hello and welcome to the Grace Church Salado podcast. My name is David Laws. I have my friend Corey Woodard here with me. Corey, thanks for being here. Hey, man, I'm excited. Um, I was thinking about yesterday, like, I'm really glad to be at a church where like I get a chance to teach like I got to preach I get to do the podcast um I know that my teaching is not as skilled as Jason's or as yours get out of here with that listen listen but I'm thankful for a church that like bears with me as the Lord is cultivating the gift that he's already given me. Well, we love having you on. I feel like you always provide a really thoughtful, like discerning approach to God's word, like very humble, very, um, yeah, just a, a good, well-rounded, thought out, you know, response to, to the text. And so why don't, let's throw a curveball here. Why don't we learn something about you that we don't know? What, uh, what is your middle name? Corey? It's a Reed. Reed R-E-I-D. Woodard. Corey Reed. Corey Reed. If you say that too quick, that's a bit of a tongue twister. Corey Reed. Yeah. You gotta get those R's turned. Yeah, the you know, like the elementary schoolers that I went to school with had the really uncreative it <laughs> looking back it wasn't really an insult, but they minted this one as like, oh Corey Reed's Woodard. Which I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but you know I used whatever. to get I used to get the classic David Laws, do you like to obey the laws? <laughs> <laughs> you got me. That's <laughs> That was my experience. Well, I feel like uh, let's spare everyone that's listening any more conversation on our <laughs> junior high uh, mockery of our names. Um, for those of you that are listening for the first time, we want you to know that we do this podcast each week so that you would come away loving God's Word more, and then you can have a better idea of how you can take what you're reading and apply it to your life. Um, and so this week, we're going to be looking at our life verse, which is from Psalm 113, verses 1 through 3. And it says this, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So, Corey, this is one of those passages that, you know, at first glance, you know, there's it's um, proclaiming, like, calling us to praise God. It's one that's really easy to read and think, oh, that's nice to hear and kind of respond to it on an emotive level. But, uh, we know that with all scripture, there's so much more depth and complexity than it ever appears on first glance. So, you know, for you, when you start to get into the weeds of this passage, like what's the context here? Like what's going on in Psalms, you know, maybe specifically in these verses or chapter? Yeah, so uh, that's good because I think we still should respond to this emotively, but a, a deeper understanding of, of what's going on can help us do that in a more full and more rich and more honest way as well. Um, so just looking at uh, where Psalm 113 is in, like, in the book of Psalms, it's part of a collection of six psalms that was re- recited and sung around Passover. And so I think that's important to remember because this psalm is connected to the defining salvation event that Israel experience because Passover is the meal connected to their exodus from slavery in Egypt. And so we need to remember as we read through this, that this is connected to their key salvation event. And that then becomes a picture through in Paul's writings of our salvation from sin in Christ. Which again, I I think as like a modern reader, that can probably be a difficult thing to identify with because 
when I think about it, we really don't have anything comparable. Like the closest thing I could, I can imagine we have is like Christmas or Easter. Like there's this event where we're intentionally trying to reflect on what God has done um, in, in the past. But I mean, Passover really was this like incredible time where the Israelites, I mean, they would pass down these stories of God's provision with Moses and they would tell the story and remember it really intentionally. Um, and that, that's important to think about. Like that's the context that this call to praise is being proclaimed within. Yeah. And when we think just to, um, not uh, especially in this time, but even all the way, uh, to Jesus's time, like people would travel hundreds of miles by foot to like come to Jerusalem to celebrate this event. So this is a huge event in the life of Israel. And it's a, like, we should, the way that they thought of Passover is the way that we should think of our own salvation event as well. Um, so, uh, it's connected to the Passover there, but then this is the first, obviously it's verses one through three. So, you know, it's like the first part of the Psalm. Um, but the Psalm continues to tell us why we should be praising the Lord. And what I think is interesting is that this Psalm, uh, it doesn't draw attention to God's might or his strength. And, and those are praiseworthy things, but what this calls attention to is the Lord's compassion and his care. Because what it says is, uh, in verse 5, who is like the Lord our God, the one enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He prays, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the trash heap in order to set them, seat them with the nobles, with the nobles of his people. He gives the childless woman a household, making her the joyful mother of children. Hallelujah. And so the reason that we are supposed to be praising the Lord, according to Psalm uh, 1, 113, is because of his deep love and care for the needy and the broken people. Um, like, I think, I was thinking about there, there are lots of story, like lots of stories of deliverance through infertility here in our church. And, and so like, to you listening who have gone through that, you know the most that the, the deepness and the darkness of that place. And those are the kind of people, the people in that deep, dark place of despair is who God cares for and who he desires to lift up. And his care and compassion for those people is why we're being called to praise him in this song. Yeah, and it's kind of parallel to that passage, like, who is man that you are mindful of him? You know, yeah. it's, it's this recognition of, of God's love, condescending on an undeserving people where it's like, man, God could have just stayed up there and not dealt with all of our sin and brokenness and struggle and hardship. Like he could have just completely insulated himself, but instead he did the opposite. He leaned into that, that suffering and need and he, and he loved us through that. Yeah. And it says, uh, in, in verse five and six, he's enthroned on high, but he stoops down. To come to the earth, and that makes me think of like what Paul says in Philippians two, of um, like Jesus. He he didn't he had equality with God, but instead he chose to give that up to come and die for us who who are the needy and the broken people. Like spiritually, we are the poor sitting on the trash heap, and we need to be lifted up. And God is compassionate and gracious to stoop down to earth and to lift us up from the trash heap and seat us with the nobles. And that's why he's worthy of praise in this psalm. That's awesome. Well, I'm really, there's a couple different thoughts running in my head, and I'm tempted to run down those 
uh, run down those paths, but I do want to make sure we get into kind of the meat of this text. And so, you know, when we look at, at what's happening here, the main the, kind of the main themes that are running through this, what do you see sticking out to you? Yeah, so the first is who this call to praise is for. Uh, and it says that it's calling the servants of the Lord to praise the name of the Lord. And so that's just anybody who is following the Lord. Like, if you can proclaim honestly that Jesus is Lord, that means this call to praise is to you. Um, and it, it makes me think of when Paul says that that no one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Spirit of God. And so that means that whoever has the Spirit is praising this, and so it is the Spirit working this prayer, like renewing our hearts to want to praise the Lord because of this. Um, I also wanted to key in on the idea that we are praising the name of the Lord, or, or it's, you know, the capital letters, so the name of Yahweh. And I think that made me think about how in in our context, it's increasingly important to be very specific about who this God is and what he has done, this God that we're praising. Um, the, it's been happening in Europe for a really long time, happening in the northern United States for a while. But just in the recent years, we're feeling more and more in the southern United States, um, just the increasing secularization of our culture. And as that is happening, there's a lot of people, like I can think of my friends who would say, yeah, there's a God, like I'm cool with that. Um, But they wouldn't say that they believe in the God of the Bible. They wouldn't say that they believe in the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think keying in on that, that we need to be praising the name of Yahweh, just we need to be very specific about who this God is that we're praising. Like, it's not just some force in the universe. This isn't just some divine clockmaker who created the world and then leaves it alone. This is, we are praising the God who stoops down to the earth. We're praising the the God, Yahweh, who cares for the needy and the poor, so much so that he sent his son to die for us to, so that we could have salvation, and not just so that we could be pardoned, so that he could pardon us as a judge, but so that he could actually adopt us as his own children. That's the God that we're being called to praise here. Well, and I think that's a really, really important clarification, um, because I think you nailed it, like in our even in my own life, I have taught from the pulpit and said something along the lines of like, we're in a somewhat Christianized culture here in the South. Very quickly, that's changing um, because even within Christian, historically Christian circles, um, you and I have had conversations about this. We've had conversations about it in community group. Um, this, uh, this whole idea of deconstruction, where it's taking these core theological principles unwinding them and kind of trying to reinterpret scripture from how it's traditionally been handled. And I, and I think, man, that's happening now at, at, at an unbelievable pace. And so when we even talk about God, there are a million different ideas of what's coming into people's mind because they've all, they've all kind of constructed their own little image of who God is and how he acts, how he behaves. Um, and there's not kind of that, that foundational symmetry in how, I might think about God and how my neighbor might think about God. Um, and I mean, I, one example I think is, is just 
how we focus on something that's true, but eliminate other simultaneous truths. Like God is love. Yeah, absolutely. God is love. Um, we're saved by grace. Absolutely. We're saved by grace. But there might be those that say, okay, well, then I don't need to be obedient. I, it doesn't matter if I regularly, you know, I'm in the word or I'm praying. It doesn't matter because we're saved by grace. Well, we are, right? We are saved by grace. But let's also not ignore this other part of scripture, which is calling us to do something. And that's just one example. It's just a microcosm of this idea that we kind of reconstruct who God is based on our own predispositions or who we want God to be. And so I think it's really important, exactly what you said, like, let's not change Mm -hmm. Yahweh. Yahweh is Yahweh. Um, And let's make sure we're praising the one worthy of being praised, not our own construction of that, of that same being. Yeah. And the Psalm goes on to say here that the, this name of Yahweh, the name of the Lord should be blessed forever from now. How does it put it? Uh, it says, yeah, uh, is it both now and forever? Is that what it says? Yeah, the yeah, ESV oh, has oh, a, from this time forth and forevermore. I was looking at the ESV, yeah, it uses kind of an antiquated phrase yeah. there, from this time forth. It says, from this time forth and forevermore, uh, which I thought was interesting because that was actually part of um, Jason's sermon on Second Peter um, this past Sunday, and so just kind of uh, a tie-in there. Uh, but also what, what I saw in this, from this time forth and forevermore, was this idea of like from the moment that our hearts are renewed, that we, from the moment we receive uh, the grace and salvation that's offered to us through Christ, from that moment into all eternity, we will be like singing the praises of the Lord. And the psalm also says, uh, from the rising of the sun to its setting, which is just this idea of like all day long, we should be praising the Lord. Uh, and it made me think about how every single moment our our renewed hearts, even even when we're not physically speaking or singing praise with our mouths, uh, this is a call to have the eyes of our heart always focused and always singing praise to the Lord, whether we're at work like as a bus driver or we're, we're taking care of our kids or putting them down for a nap. We are supposed to be a people that are so shaped by the generosity and compassion and grace of this God that no matter what we're doing, our hearts are constantly singing out praise to Him. Absolutely. And, and also just remembering that, that truth that's been repeated so much in, the, in kind of recent years that our heart is always worshiping something. Um, you know, there's always an and this admiring and this worship of something. So if it's not God, it, it's something else. That's what, and we call those things idols, you know? And so just recognizing my heart's always worshiping something. So what is it worshiping right now? And if it's not God, then redirecting that worship to the proper place that it was, it was designed for, you know? And, but there's something else going on in this passage that I know you mentioned as we were kind of discussing this beforehand about this like ev- evangelical component mm-hmm. of, of the passage. So, yeah. So I think, by calling us to worship, the psalmist is kind of giving an example of what we should do with other people. We should also be calling other people to worship. And so this idea kind of came from my own experience this past Sunday morning. Um, I got the blessing of, instead of playing drums this Sunday, just being able to be a part of the congregation during the singing um, and 
our, our church has <laughs> gained a lot of people in, in the past <laughs> month or so. I think that's an understatement. And yeah, yeah. And so it was it, it was a lot louder than it, than I've experienced it before. But I was sitting there hearing all of these voices singing, holy, 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 like, like um, singing this truth that there is no one else like our God. And I just had this experience of like, oh, man, like, I want other people to join this like choir not, and not, not in the sense of like, I want other people here at grace, but I want other people to be a part of the global church singing together. Like, man, there is no one else like our God. Let's build our life on his love. And so this kind of reminded me of that experience there. And that ties back to the context of the verse, right? Like this wasn't read by someone sitting quietly in a back room. This was part of the Passover celebration, right? This was a communal psalm that they were. Like this was this was intended for the, the church family, for the, the people of God on a communal level, not just, like I think oftentimes when we read with scripture, we engage it very individualistically. Like what is this? We can be tempted to say, what does this mean for me? Or what, how do I make sense of this? But exactly like you're saying, this, this did have a very outward communally focused. Yeah. And, and like the reality is there are people out there that God has chosen before the foundation of the world to be our brothers and sisters in Christ. And and so this is kind of a reminder to us that as we are praising, we are all supposed supposed to be going out to to every nation, even just next door to us, to to call these brothers and sisters uh, that God has foreordained for us, to call them to join us in this praise of the Lord who is compassionate and kind in abounding in steadfast love. I mean, it ties all back to that passage in Revelation where it gives this vision of people from every tongue, tribe, and nation sitting before the throne of God, exactly like you said, yeah. just singing, holy, holy, holy. Uh, and it's just that beautiful imagery. Yeah, and, and we need to, as we are being called to praise, we need to remember to call other people to that praise right. as well. Yeah, because the front end of the book, we just talked about the back end in Revelation. The front end is, is all the way back in Genesis 12 when God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing yeah. to all nations. You know, and it sounds like you're just, you know, wrapping that whole concept yeah. up here in Psalms. But, you know, as we take all that information and we try and make sense of it and and apply it to our life, what comes to your mind? Like that, How do we take that and actually you know, kind of ingrained into our daily rhythms. Yeah, so I think uh, the first thing is just that we, I mean, we need to be praising. (laughs) But sometimes it's hard for us to get to that point of praise. Um, Sometimes we don't feel like praising God. But oftentimes when we don't want to praise Him or we aren't quick to praise Him, it's usually because we, like, we've forgotten what He's done for us. Uh, we're, you know, in the reading plan, we're going through numbers right now. And that's what happens again and again and again is the Israelites forget what exactly it is that this God has done for them. And that's where we can find ourselves often. So I think the first point of application is to just remind ourselves uh, of what the Lord has done for us first and foremost in salvation. Um, but also, man, think about, think about the time when you were in the pit. Think about the time when you were the poor and needy person sitting on the trash heap and and then remind yourself of how it was that the Lord lifted you up from that. 
Because when we remember what the Lord has done for us, that very naturally, because he's done really great, uh, innumerable great and, and amazing things for us. And so when we remember those, those naturally lead us to praise him. Yeah, and I would even go so far as to say that worship can't exist where there's not a consciousness and a recognition of who God is and what he's done. Like if, if, if you are just trying to force worship to happen and praise to happen, separated from those truths, I, I think it's probably impossible. Like you have to be able to have this acknowledgement of who God is. What does he say about himself? What does the Bible say about him? Uh, and what has he done? Like what has he done through Christ? What has he done through my own life? And I think those things, when they come together, that's where we see worship start to kind of um, bubble out of us. You know, when we're when we're setting our eyes on these truths of this is who God is, this is what God has done, um, so feel free to disagree with that. I just no, as yeah, you were saying because that. you know we're called to worship in spirit and truth, um, truth in the both in the sense of like being honest about our worship, but also um, our worship being grounded in these truths because uh, the Psalms remind us that it is good and necessary to engage God with our emotions. But if those emotions are not grounded in some reality, then we're just getting tossed all over the place. So when we remind ourselves of those truths, like you're saying, um, that grounds us and allows us, and yeah, it really allows us and is more of a, and is kind of a springboard in order to engage God with our emotions. Well, and as we're talking about applications, part of that is reminding ourselves so that we might praise, yeah. and then some of that is reminding others so that so yeah. that they might praise, just like you were saying, right? Yeah, and so we need to remind others of that. And what's cool is, like, in our community groups, Jason is already leading us to do that. Like, every single discussion guide starts with, hey, let's talk about what we have seen the Lord do. Uh, and so I want to be careful. Like, I'm not saying you should, like, if you if somebody talks, if somebody shares in a community group that they're struggling with, you know, being joyful in the Lord. It's probably not going to be received very, uh, very well. And it's probably not going to be very kind to be like, well, what are you doing? Look at all these amazing things God has given you. Why are you not praising it? Like, that's not going to come off super well. But when within community, when we share with our brothers and sisters what God is doing in our lives, that can remind them of, oh, yeah, I've. I've had that same kind of experience. And so even just that that openness of, of sharing about what the Lord is doing in our own lives, that can remind uh, that can remind our brothers and sisters that we're in community with of what he's done in their lives as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I feel like we, we kind of tore that passage apart and got to <laughs> dig in uh, pretty deep this week. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, so Corey, thank you for being here. And for all of you listening, we want to say thank you to you as well. Uh, we re- are really grateful that we've got this community of people that are kind of tied in with the podcast each week and, and tuning in. Um, and so we hope that this discussion spurred you on in your love for Jesus and your love for people this week. And we'll see you next Wednesday for our episode on Deuteronomy chapter three, verse 24.